Listener, beware, you're in for a disgusting podcast. We're serious and we warned you. Also, the book isn't actually a novelization. Welcome to Novelize This, a conversation about books that are adapted from movies, television, and more. I'm Mark. And I'm Chris. And we have a spooky one for you. Just in time for Halloween, roughly when we're recording this. Yeah, let's hope I get it edited in time. That's the scariest part. I'm not going to say what year it is, so that way there's not any pressure on Mark. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that Deer Hunter episode will be coming out any day now. Mark, do you want to tell us about the book that you have inflicted upon me? I have given you the gift Mm. of Goof Lumps. I didn't hiccup just then when I was talking about R.L. Stein's Goosebumps. I mean the 1995 parody by Are You Slime? I don't think that's his real name, Chris. I think I spent too much effort trying to figure out what his real name was. And was unsuccessful. (laughs) Uh, There's two volumes of Goof goof lumps goof lumps wrong every time very weird to say out loud goof lumps published by random house big competitor for scholastic Mm -hmm. that of course produced produces all the goosebumps books they're still being published and they're still fucking great and i won't hear otherwise (laughs) Uh. now okay so i think that's going to be like our first main division (laughs) is that so so this idea of parodying goosebumps Mm -hmm is bizarre to me. I haven't read Goosebumps since at least sometime in high school. And I haven't read it since at least Tuesday. Yeah, right? Monday. So you're knee deep into Goosebumps at this point. I'm pretty removed from it. And I distinctly remember Goosebumps mostly just being, yo, you did not see the Twilight Zone as a kid. (laughs) So... You think this is original. Yeah, I mean, it really yeah. is. And that, like, it was only much later in my life I was watching The Twilight Zone and being like, oh, this is, I see what happened here. And that that seems yeah. legit, right? No story is truly original. They're updated. They're made kid-friendly. Mm-hmm. But then you take this idea of a kid-friendly horror book and you parody it. Yeah. And I don't think it was successful in that. Well... I think we'll definitely disagree about yeah. that. I mean, agree there to disagree. There are some things about this book that I absolutely abhor. <laughs> Mainly the conceit. So this volume we read is called Eat Cheese and Barf. Right off the bat. Not yeah, great. Yeah. That's a playoff of Say Cheese and Die. So I thought it was a playoff of Eat Shit and Die, which I thought was <laughs> a really interesting take for a kid's parody horror book. In all these years, I never thought about that, but that's hilarious. (laughs) So this one, even though the title is a a take on on the camera book, the story is absolutely a parody of um, the Monster Blood series within the Goosebumps series. I think there's four in the original 62. You know, you return to that well uh, as long as you can draw water, right? There's some original, I think it's Monster Blood 2. Basically, the blood makes copies of the bully. Mm -hmm. And the book ends with the good guy surrounded by like a hundred bullies who are going to kick the shit out of him. 
<laughs> That's a dark ending for a middle schooler. R.L. Stein's badass. And and that's where I feel the real connection with Twilight Zone. It's that final, oh no, you're not in the clear. Oh no, this is still this is still going on. Yeah. Which I think is why Goosebumps persists. Are mm-hmm. you slime, however, decided two books is what we're doing. And that's it. Yeah. Thank God. Because <laughs> could you really handle more? The first book is Stay Out of the Bathroom, which I'm debating if I'm going to get there. This book was gross enough at times for for my taste. And that's where I realized that I wasn't going to enjoy this book because, (laughs) you know, as the title implies, barfing plays a staggering role in this book. And the descriptions of nausea, bile, all these things... Which would have absolutely delighted me as like a middle school kid with that kind of gross out humor. Yeah, back when I liked Ren and Stimpy. Right. This felt like a time capsule for the 90s. Oh boy, it gets real graphic real fast. Mm -hmm. And I did not expect that the gross out stuff would not just be there for titillation, but also it plays... A key role yep. in the plot, yeah, especially at the end. And the truth is, we'll get there pretty quickly because this book is a staggering 136 <laughs> pages. Um, yes, I think that's a great place for me to lead into the similarities between Goosebumps and Goofflumps, just on the surface level. It is the same length. It's got the same short chapter style. Every chapter has a cliffhanger, <laughs> most of which are fake out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of screaming, which is written out. <laughs> the one joke I legitimately laughed at in the entire <laughs> book involves mm-hmm. how much screaming there is. You can sure scream a lot. <laughs> well, that's one of the few things so that I do good. really remember. I was like, that was actually a good one. I wish that there was more like that. Yeah. A, a major similarity between the two books is the cover artist. This cover artist did a bunch of books back then. He, he's, uh, he does more like, I, I guess you would call it classical painting nowadays. A lot of religious themes and so forth. Very adult stuff. Uh, adult in the sense, just like being for a grown-up audience. But he did a lot of kids' books back in the day, including R.L. Stein books. He did a lot yeah. of Ghosts of Fear Street, which is the middle grade version of Fear Street. So that got me thinking, like, the, some of these similarities, the language, the all these devices, I started wondering, is this just R.L. Stein? <laughs> is this R.L. Stein doing a parody of his own? Because, I don't know if you know this, you remember Garbage Pail Kids. Yeah. Those gross trading cards from back in the day. I think Art Spiegelman and some other artists did those. Well, R.L. Stein writes the books nowadays. So he's involved in a lot of that. He started out as a comic writer. He had his own magazine called Bananas. Huh. So anyway, uh, my point being like that. So the copyright says Robert Hughes. Online, I kept seeing this name, Tom Hughes. Yep. I couldn't find a lot of information about this guy. Now, I did some as much digging as I could possibly do. And I found a handful of other books by this guy for younger audiences and there's a book called the web just looks fun (laughs) so he did similar to what arl stein was doing at the same time i kind of got to wondering if there was some 
Then I found a different Tom Hughes. I, I'm just, spoiler alert, he's not the same guy. He does a lot of food history, not only writing, but some other projects. He's Him and his wife do, like, the food museum online. Yeah, that's what I, that's the other thing I found. I called them to see, um. <laughs> and I was like, is this you? And they were both like, we write real books. <laughs> they were actually very, very nice, but they're like, absolutely not us. Do I look like the kind of person that would write a book about throwing up? Well, that's the thing. Some of their books are about like plants and stuff that help your digestion. <laughs> I had a whole conspiracy theory going before I actually got them on the phone. Do you want it to start going through the plot of yeah. Eat Cheese and Barf? Yeah, why wait? Let's dive into the cheese. Okay, my first major point of why I don't think this works very well as a parody, the names are not obvious parodies or funny in any way. Mm-hmm. Case in point, our hero, Billy Fudder. Is that just supposed to be like an udder? It's supposed to be like an udder. That's all I got. But with an F. Billy and his family with his sister, Jennifer Fudder. Just going to let that hang. And their mother, or mother and father, who I... I swear they might have had names and I couldn't find them. Yeah, I don't remember. And I, I remember appreciating the dad because he was kind of like a prankster. And the mom had moments where she was just smiling and kind of nice. Whereas the parents in a lot of actual Goosebumps books are dicks. Yeah. Or absent. But they're not real characters. Right. So the Fudders have decided to move to Bledsoe, New York. And again, I was trying to think like Bledsoe is a real name. I don't, I don't yeah. get it, but that's okay. There's no other real names in this book. And so, and that they have inherited Breakwind Farm. So go ahead, if you've got the juvenile humor bingo board set up, fart jokes should be the free <laughs> space in the middle. <laughs> they arrive, Jennifer is mad because she had to leave her boyfriend behind. And because she's a teenager. Right. That That is a, a, a well that slime goes to over and over she's got the zits she's got the attitude she wants her independence and all these tropes i will admit i did appreciate non-ironically referring to someone as a pizza face that is old (laughs) enough that i went oh yeah we used to call people pizza face and it fits in with the cheese and this town is run by imp international Milk products. Milk products, yeah. So I don't understand why Imp, unless it's like the guy who runs the company. Is he short in stature? Jonathan Curdle? I I interpret it as he loomed suddenly, which I usually uh, kind of ascribe to a, t- a taller person. We, I mean, character descriptions don't really happen in this book. <laughs> It is, it is just, here is a name, here is their thing, moving on. Yeah, they all have a quirk. Right. Some of them are more offensive than others. To that, to that point, <laughs> Billy's quirk is that he has such a revulsion, and I couldn't figure out if it was actually an allergy because they used the wrong words. He's uh, lactose intolerant. Right. But uh, did they, like, not know about that in the 90s? I don't know. They talk about enzymes <laughs> later. If he drinks milk... Eats any dairy product whatsoever, he violently throws up. I think it's more psychological than anything else. Yeah, Yeah, because even if he smells it, you know, if it's very close to his nose, he just loses loses his lunch. Yeah, 
Yeah. He just heaves it all up. He just he, spews it He all. blows chunks. Barfarama. Yeah. We are introduced to the town. Well, okay. By introduced, there's one named location, the Muendu, <laughs> on Kirtle Street. <laughs> to start us off, there is a recurring gag, if you will, of Billy stepping in cow pies. Yeah. I grew up around cows. <laughs> and... It's not the end of the world, and it doesn't even really Aren't smell that bad. Aren't they usually dried out anyway? Unless they're fresh. They move to the farm. Their grandfather, who was Theo Futter, he has passed away, left them to the farm. They've inherited it. They meet their grandfather's, essentially, farmhand, who mm-hmm. only has one arm mm-hmm. and is named... His name? Armand. Is... <sighs> yeah. Oh, and there's a cow named Martha. <laughs> It turns out she is vital to My the My favorite plot. character. <laughs> <clears throat> so we have our major players. There's also some bully. What's his name? Jonathan or some shit? Who cares? No, that's Jerry. Jerry Curdle. In, does he? Jerry. Yeah, he's, with he's there for the obligatory you have to have a bully. And also for Jennifer yeah. to pine after. Like immediately. Because not only is she a pimple-faced, uh, annoying teenage sister... She is also boy crazy, so that way we can really, really just loathe her as a character. Uh, and also just s- strikes fear into a father's heart. Like, Hopefully you won't have to deal with anything else that happens in this book. <laughs> Armand is, in true Goosebumps, the Twilight Zone fashion, sketchy as hell for no real reason. He's just sketchy as hell. At times he's really nice to the kids. And then he just switches. Yep. Is he trying to, like, fool them? He doesn't even seem smart enough to fool these little kids, so I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, I don't know what is happening here, and I don't see the obvious joke. So maybe I'm the idiot <laughs> for, <laughs> for, putting, for putting too much on this. One of the other things that did make me laugh, you mentioned this before, was the fake-out cliffhanger endings of mm-hmm. each chapter. They almost always either end or begin with a scream. Lots of A's. Billy goes into town, and he meets his new friend, Fanny Rennet. My 4-H training kicked in, and I went, I remember Rennet being a thing. Essentially, it's an enzyme that's used to make cheese. It helps <laughs> with digestion, right? Yes. Uh, rennet is actually used to help break down lactose, and it allows for the curdling of milk into cheese. And used to be removed from the stomach lining of young calves that were still drinking milk. And nowadays we don't do that anymore. <laughs> There's an artificial rennet that is used in like 99.9% of all cheese production. Nobody wants to eat cheese if it involves killing baby calves to make it happen. I gave up that habit a long time ago. <laughs> I'll leave those baby calves alone. I'm See, this This is why slime deserved the Pin Faulkner, and it's a travesty. <laughs> it's just... This is pretty much the first half of the book, by the way. Yeah, it goes along really quickly. Yeah. Which I, I liked. I mean, so we're, we're knocking the book a lot, and it deserves it. But I will say, it felt enough like an actual Goosebumps for me. Like, the prose were solid enough. The jokes were really annoying. But I noticed that a lot of the really over-the-top, gross-out humor started to fade into the background a little toward the middle yeah it it comes up 
get it uh. from time to time for plot purposes, which I mentioned earlier. Like, so I, being someone who likes Goosebumps, I was actually kind of like, okay, I want to see where I'm on board. I bought my ticket. Let's see where this train rolls. Yeah. So Billy finds in the basement of his new house this mysterious book. Inside, it's just, I don't, I'm not clear. There's one sentence <laughs> to read in this book, and that's all that matters. And everything else is, is diagrams or whatever. Yep. And I couldn't tell if that was a joke. <laughs> if it's just like, you know how in stories they open up a book and they just happen to add this huge-ass book. Yeah. They happen to find the one sentence they need. That's what I thought the joke was, but maybe that's giving slime too much. Credit. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> you know, just of course there's a mystery diary. Yeah. Of course they're told, you know, explicitly keep this away from the curdles, the curdles who are trying to buy up the whole town and control everything. And it turns out that that is when they meet Jonathan Curdle, and I I think that this is such a a bizarre description and almost again we're we're moving towards like the extremes that allow for humor he was even uglier in person his head was all splotchy and his hands were all bony and veiny with uncut yellow nails and then that's it <laughs> end of you know he didn't have a cow pattern like like liver spot on his hand or yeah. you know there again you think that there should be more and it isn't. He's just an ugly old man. Yeah, definitely a lot of missed opportunities for humor in here. Yeah. I, d I did imagine this guy as being like the, the tall man from the Phantasm movies. Sure. Yeah, I imagined him but, as kind of tall but curled over, uh, almost hunched just because almost that's... Almost curdled. Uh, that's not what curdling means, but mm. okay. <laughs> <laughs> like Rennet, right? Cause, uh, right? Cause... Yeah, like, like Rennet, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And farts. <laughs> yes. Do you want me to belch the alphabet, Chris? No, please, God, no. I'll do what I have to do. Oh, God. If it puts a book in your fucking hand, I'll do it, Chris. I already read this book. I don't need to be <laughs> coerced further. You've, you've brutalized our years of friendship to make me read a book about throwing up. Like, <laughs> ugh. On that happy note, we meet Jerry Curdle, who is Jonathan's nephew, because I suppose the idea is that Jonathan couldn't actually have a wife and have kids of his own because he's so ugly. So we have to establish, you know, Donald Duck style Huey, Dewey and Louie. <laughs> and of course, Jennifer immediately swoons for him. There's a big dance coming up. The first thing that popped in my head is that it's supposed to be summertime. Dances don't normally happen in summertime for country dances. Those are yeah. almost always harvest festival things. I was thinking about Carrie. Okay, right? Another another reference missed opportunity. Yeah. God, do you, we should write this. We should rewrite. <laughs> re Do you want to write an R.U. slime? We could pu just publish under his, it's a pseudonym, right? So it's like V.C. Andrews probably has like a million other people writing under that name. <laughs> and you and I, we can be the next slimes. We can be the slime brothers. Okay, but. Let's don't let this opportunity slip between our fingers like so much puke. <laughs> so. At about this point, about a third of the way into the book, the plot actually starts. We find great-grandpapa Theo Futter's mysterious cheese. 
The cheese brain. Right. So they think it's a brain. They find that the lid is clamped down. They, for whatever reason, decide that they have to hide it because they're told the curdles, they can't find out about this. Well, let's don't uh, gloss over the detail of them touching it. So, you know, like, (laughs) it's... I can imagine some kids, they find a gross thing and they're like, let's get a stick and poke at it. But Fanny is like, I'm going to stick my fucking hand in that thing. Yes. I want that all over me. What kid? What kid even in the 90s? It's not a thing kids do. So, Mark, you and I were both young people in the 90s. All right. You know, we didn't have the internet and I only had four channels on the TV I actually will go to bat here and say, no, yeah, I'd poke it. With with a stick or would you shove your whole fucking finger I'd start there? with a stick and then I'd probably be like, <laughs> not Fanny. Yeah, you know, at least like, yo, what will you give me if I do this? Huh? What do you give me? Give me $5? Give me a dollar? What would you do if you pulled your finger out and it came after you? If it tried to reach out and get you back? Now, at this point, we are so fully into horror tropes. I can't get mad at that. And they were like, this is our pet now. Yep. This is our beautiful little cheese brain. I love him. Spoiler alert, the monster cheese is a monster. When Billy pukes, the enzyme in his stomach burns the cheese. He's been chugging holy water all day long. Well, but here's the issue is that, oh my God, again, getting mad at this book when i shouldn't (laughs) if you can drink milk if you are lactose tolerant that is because you have an enzyme in your stomach that allows you to break down lactose okay it turns into carbohydrates and sugars when you don't have that enzyme that doesn't make you throw up that turns you into a farty mess but fanny and i forgot to mention this because fanny has to have her quirk her quirk is she can make herself belch and it is outrageously disgusting smelling, which really makes me think that there is something truly treacherous going on inside of Fanny. Fanny has months to live. She At just best. Know it. Yeah. But here's here's where we get to truly the part of this book where I, I had to go. I must have misread that where they think the cow talks and that's a fake out because apparently they don't know how voices work with (laughs) Armand coming around the corner saying, what are you kids screaming about? And so the cheese is in the, in the barn. (laughs) Armand and Martha are there to loom. Suddenly they move the cheese to the barn to keep it safe. Yeah. They want to make sure that no curdles come to their house looking for family secrets and chance upon this. So, of course, they're going to put it in the broke-ass barn where anyone can enter. There's no locks. Some pieces of wall are missing. Just head on in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, and again, there's a part of me that's like, is this supposed to be intentionally dumb? Are they, because we're parodying, right? Like, we're, we're playing up the aspect, but they don't. They never crank that dial all the way to 11. Well, speaking of, there's a joke there, but nothing comes of it. They go into town. Billy gets into a fight with Jerry Curdle. He's called a Dorcas, which I also appreciated. Remembering I used to call my brother Dorcas. And then we get quite possibly my favorite character and my favorite character name. Do you want to do you want to guess? Officer Eclair. That's right. We get an honest to God fucking donut cop joke in this. A joke, a joke so plain and so on the nose that even a middle school kid could get it. I actually quite enjoy Officer Eclair. Yeah, your dad would love this guy, wouldn't he? And I think that that's actually funny. Not laugh out loud funny, 
But I did go, I like it. I'm down for that. I found it disrespectful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and so then we get the classic, hey, are you boys fighting? No, sir. All right, well, I'm just going to take off then. Every time he leaves, he has an opportunity to go to like a bake sale or some shit. Yeah. Jerry Hall's Billy behind the Milk Museum. Okay, it's just a museum of milk. Cool, that's nothing. Of course, nothing happens because it's a parody of Goosebumps and nothing nothing ever actually happens. At least not until nightfall. Right, because we've got only so many characters to have to worry about. So, of course, Armand and Martha are going to be back. And then it finally gets to a point where now night has fallen the cheese oh the cheese is growing the lid has somehow been removed this is bad bad stuff oh no what's gonna happen it gets bigger right it does but that's about it it's like almost overflowing the pot which is directly from monster blood yes that's a point in monster blood that actually happens much sooner in monster blood as i recall so I think the pacing here is a little off, but in Monster Blood, the protagonist is like, oh shit, maybe this isn't okay, but not these fools. Yeah, they hear a voice. They think that voice is probably Armand, even though all we see is Martha. No, yeah, man, fucking Martha can just talk. It's fine. She's an experimental (laughs) cow that was trained to talk. Don't have a cow, man. The one thing that kind of made me chuckle is that her lips are described as thin. And I don't think I've ever described cow lips in any way, shape, or form because they don't really have lips Hmm. the way that a human does. But (laughs) this is where we get essentially the lore bomb. Great-grandfather used to work for the Curdles. He developed all these crazy things. He made a, a talking cow so that way it could truly be aware of all the inhumanities being done to it by the commercial dairy industry. And they're told, the cheese, it's dangerous. It should have been destroyed. It wasn't destroyed. You can't let the Curdles get a hold of it. Spoiler alert, the Curdles get a hold of it very, very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> like, so very quickly. This part of the book reminds me a lot of the Goosebumps book, Stay Out of the Basement, where the other Goof Lumps book gets its title from. Yeah. Because the dad in that book was fired from his like biotech, bioengineering company or whatever um, for his mad experiments. But this is a little bit of a twist where the company, they like yeah. the evil. Yeah, they're, they're they down for it. they more of it. First, we have to face off against Jerry with a pocket knife. Oh my God, he's got a knife. No, he just wants to cut off a piece of cheese. This is cottage cheese again. It's the cheese that you eat with a spoon. (laughs) But of course, we needed to have a knife so we could have another one of our little kid gross out humor bingo card. Jerry, don't cut the cheese, I screamed. (laughs) Yeah. And so now is when shit goes wild. This is where you actually get one of the things I liked, honest to God, body horror. Yeah. Like it actually leans pretty hard into the cheese monster comes alive. It literally consumes Jerry and then takes on his like physical form. And there's a description of seeing his face. He's like trying to press outward within the stomach of this monster. And it's very like Freddy Krueger. I do want to read this passage because I actually like this. 
Ah! Now Jerry was screaming too. The cheese trembled in the air above Jerry. He dropped the knife and the piece of cheese. The cheese collapsed on him with a satisfied belch that stank so bad we had to hold our noses. Then the cheese started to move again. It rose up and started to take on a human form. Jerry's face appeared in its midsection for a second. His mouth moved in silent <laughs> cries for help. Then he vanished. Like, whoa, holy shit. That's <laughs> like, pretty good. All right. Okay. <laughs> I could imagine being actually scared of that if I was like 10. Yeah. Kudos, book. It sounds so dumb. But if you put yourself in that place where you're little, this kind of stops being a parody. Yeah. And becomes like a legit scary book for kids. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, it abandons that very quickly. <laughs> you well, know, it gets back there. I mean, it, it does eventually, but we have to mess around for a little bit first. A battle turban makes its its presence known. Battle. They go hunting for the cheese monster. It turns out it's once again Armand. My favorite part of that section where just it's random wasting our, our reader's time. Billy's mom gets a job at Imp working on some advertising for them. And she slowly starts to be kind of brainwashed. Yeah, a little bit. And one of the parts that actually legitimately made me laugh out loud was this section when um, he's trying to talk to his mom about this. And, and in Goosebumps fashion, the mom is not listening. Yeah. And then she's leaving and she says, have a cheese day, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Billy I... says, what did you say? Yeah. It's just plot stuff happens. Yeah. Until eventually the cheese is rolling into town, baby. It's heading, it's heading to the dance. Then we switch into parodying other better things. We have uh, a Jaws reference. You have to close down the dairy dance. We can't close down the dairy dance. There's too many people that are going to be there. They, they confront Jonathan Curdle with Culture 286, the cheese slash cottage cheese, and tell him it ate Jerry. And he is so evil that he just kind of laughs it off. Like, oh, you, you scamps. Yeah, he makes it seem at first like, I don't believe you, you're dumb kids. But then clearly, like, he's into it. And he, you know, he wants that monster, that monster. Yeah. He wants to use oh, that yeah. monster. Oh, yeah. It turns, it turns out the milk company is super down with monster cottage cheese. What is their end goal? Uh, world domination, clearly. <laughs> so dumb. Yeah, and, and again, this is the insanity that I need more of this, please. I yeah, need the megalomania yeah. dairy <laughs> CEO. That is so stupid. I actually like it. That kind of goes into naked gun territory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they just thought these, you know, young readers, if they got too much of that, they'd check out because it's too smart for them. But it's not. Yeah. We finally get to the uh, stage. Of course, has to happen on the stage during the dairy dance. Mm -hmm. There is the awful cheese monster. Jonathan Curdle comes up to the top of the stage and promptly gets consumed by the cheese. That, again, actually kicks off a whole lot of shit that you have. Okay, so the cheese monster comes out. It spits out Jerry. It reabsorbs Jerry. Oh, no, no, no. I do not like that. It goes and it attacks Jennifer. 
Finally. Like it it really goes to town on this. This is this is it. This is the kind of fucked up kind of stuff that you could actually get into. And then it's like, oh, oh, oh remember, you can throw up on it. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, did you see that coming? I did because the like it was ah, so damn. conservation of detail, particularly in short books. You have to plant information so that way it can come back later. And that idea of like, that's weird. Your puke made it kind of, you know, it got smaller. It's like, okay, that's how we're, that's how we're killing the monster. I'm not as smart as you. And I thought that was so good. So good. I was down. I was like, that almost makes all the other stupid gross out jokes worth it. Well, now after it sucks in Jennifer, then it sucks in Jonathan Curdle. Somehow the new Jonathan Curdle cheese laughs and says, with this new body, nobody can stop me, especially not a couple of dorky kids. So we're just going full Scooby-Doo bad guy at this point. (laughs) Then it gets so gross. (laughs) It really is the description. Like we're going to need to have a content warning on this episode, I feel like, because I'm going to I want to read this part because... He can't eat the cheese. He can't bring himself to drink the milk. Like, again, I think this is a psychological thing more than a biological thing. He says, then I got an idea. Fanny, burp as if your life depended on it. Why didn't you just say so? She shouted. (laughs) Right in my face. It was the worst one yet. It smelled of rotten eggs and spoiled pork and asparagus and cat boxes and sweaty feet and moldy sour cream and all all the freshest, steamiest cow pies. (laughs) And all the pastures of Bledsoe. My God. Like, I am wounded after reading that. That is, oh. And, of course, they have to do it over and over again so that way Billy can keep <laughs> can keep vomiting onto the monster over and over again. I just love the, the idea of some big wigs at random house <laughs> just passing this manuscript around like this is fucking listen gold. listen man did you make it all the way to fucking chapter 32 because shit gets wild in chapter 32 oh my yeah God. so 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 it works yeah everyone was back slimy but back yep and then we go back to what i was saying earlier about this dad he's such a fooler it turns out he was in on it the whole time. Not like for IMP, but he knew what was going yeah. down and he didn't stop any of it because he knew his son could take care of himself just like he did when yeah. he was that age. Same thing happened when I was a kid. Only then it was sour cream. <laughs> what? Oh, man. Uh, basically, every Goosebumps book ends with a plot twist. Every Goosebumps book has like and you thought you did a good job, but actually, now the beast is just mad, and it's gonna get you. But this book, they see the cheese that's been destroyed, or so it seems. It starts to move, but then it's just this bird. This little bird that was eaten at the beginning of the book is finally free. It was the first one eaten, and it's the last one out. Yep. And I was like, that's kind of beautiful. I was fooled because I knew there had to be a twist ending. And the writer was like, actually, the ending of this disgusting book is this beautiful little bird. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. And the best ending. I didn't even really consider that, that there is no twist. That there's just like, no, they did it. And it even it even ends with, then I knew everything was going to be okay. 
Yeah. And how great is that? <laughs> really, really play with our expectations of a uh, of a Goosebumps book, I guess. At that point. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was this was a read for me. I don't know if I liked it. I had a blast. Yeah. Well, and I think the problem is is as we said kind of at the top where. I'm too far removed from Goosebumps. I don't know the source material at this point well enough to see what is being parodied versus what is just what the author decided they wanted. Mm -hmm. Which is one of the weaknesses of parody, right? You have to be at least somewhat familiar with the original to actually get the joke. This came out in 1995. That was the perfect timing. Even if you gave this to kids nowadays... It wouldn't hit as hard because although Goosebumps is still popular, new releases come out all the time. It's it's not the phenomenon it was when we were kids. Right. Kids are not going to be as like steeped in, in this material. They're not going to really know it the way that we did. And I, like we're 40 and I shouldn't probably be as familiar with it as I am. But <laughs> I just, you know, middle grade fiction is my hobby really it's like my my i don't want to use the word passion because i think it sounds weird but it is i love middle grade fiction and i love rl stein and i have a special place in my heart for him because long before i ever became an avid reader i would read rl stein without being forced by a teacher so yeah I, I totally get that like not only do you need to be familiar with the the source material but also like a lot of this is just not that good at doing its job yeah. of being a parody. Like you have said all along the way, it's not committing to the bits. Yeah. It, it wants to be gross, which I don't think in and of itself is much of a, a jab at Goosebumps. Because even though Goosebumps can be gross, a lot of it is just weird, funny, intentionally. But it's not like the garbage pail right. kids. Just, I think maybe the joke there is in the pseudonym, he's making a comment about this like corporate literature, right? This just like factory produced yeah. fiction for kids. Manu- manufactured, essentially. Yeah. And Scholastic got a lot of shit and still does for not just selling books at these book fairs. They go into schools with these big fairs and they sell toys. Right. Yeah. Yeah, maybe more than, you know, so they get a lot of bad press for that. And and maybe Hughes is riffing on that, but it's not really clear. And that's why it fails. And I love Scholastic Books, so eat my shorts. Well, I was actually going to say, like, what are you reading right now? What are, you, what are you reading for pleasure right now in comparison? Yeah. You and I are both readers. I think you're, you're more of a reader than mm-hmm. I am. I have a tendency to reread books at this point. Uh, what are you reading right so, now? So right now, um, I have decided to jump back into a series that I read as a kid. Uh, R.A. Uh, Salvatore uh, Drizzt Dwarden yeah. Dark Elf Dungeons and Dragons books. But I decided to do it in the worst way possible. There are like over 20 of these books. And I read the first 12 like 15 years ago. So oh, okay. I decided, well, hey, there's a new set of three. I'm familiar with the characters. I know the set pieces. I will just jump into this one called Timeless that was published back in 2018. And it's about Dritzt and his relationship with his dad. And, you know, and I thought, yeah, this should be like kind of a clean start. It is not a clean start. Holy shit. There are so <laughs> many characters that I have no idea who they are. And they have 
buck wild names that are just impossible for me to remember and so i have like a list but i've been i've been enjoying it. i'm most of the way through it um and i i'm looking forward to reading the rest because mm-hmm. there is something very fun with old school high fantasy yeah and you don't get much more high fantasy than dungeons and dragons in my mind so i i've been enjoying it that's awesome I've been reading the new Peter Brown book, The Wild Robot Protects, uh, which is the third in a series. There's a shipment of robots being transported, and it crashes, and one robot survives. It's um, turned on by some wild animals accidentally, so it has no idea who it is, what it is. All it knows is it's on this island now. There's no humans on the island. It just learns the ways of the animals. By this point in the series, there's definitely a theme of climate change, human-made catastrophes. Yeah. And I just started listening to the Arnold Schwarzenegger audiobook, Be Useful. It's so good. He's just so chill and relatable. He's just down to earth and telling you stuff that, that you might already know, but in a way you need to hear. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, I've heard some of Arnold's motivational speaking, and he's a very he's a very charismatic speaker. I kind of get mm-hmm. why he was uh, governor of California for a while. Yeah, and there's a section in the book where he talks about getting into politics and his first interactions with established politicians. That is so interesting. He's just like, I didn't know how it worked. Yeah. Well, cool. So great. Um, for our next episode. We are going to be dipping into Blackstone Fortress. Yes. The three-volume Warhammer series. I'm sorry. Um, That's Warhammer 40K as opposed to your regular Warhammer. There is a difference. Oh, you will learn. You will learn. I'm really excited for you to see the grim darkness of the far future. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. I'm excited. Yep. It's great. In the meantime... You can write to us at novelizethispodcast at gmail.com. You can connect with me. Chris is not on I'm social I'm not media. on social media. I am now on social media. Um, I'm on Instagram at Mark Harwood Books, H-A-R-W-O-O-D. And, of course, you can keep up with the show, the latest news, um, if there is ever any news, <laughs> at novelizethis.com. Our theme song is Was That Away Message for Me? by 8-Bit Betty. Lots of great music on Spotify, Bandcamp. Check them out. Great. It took us a year and a half, but <laughs> we're back, baby. Bye-bye. Bye. How do you spell the word you're saying? Goose line? <laughs> <laughs>